This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Well, we're one week in, seven days into our 21-day prayer season. We're linking our 21 days with fasting. And can I tell you, the fasting is just a physical way of helping you to focus your spiritual life. It's really not about the food, but your focus. And as you're surrendering to the Lord, every time your body tells you you're hungry, it's a reminder to your spirit of why you're fasting so that you can be seeking the Lord. You're saying no to the body, no to food so that you can say yes to the Lord. And when you have that kind of desire, God says, you seek me, you're going to find me. And I believe that there's going to be a revelation. Don't stop. Even if you didn't do everything you wanted to do this week, maybe you weren't as successful as you wanted to be. Maybe you didn't get as much time to pray or come as many times during the week to the nightly prayer. That's okay. Today is a reset. Even if you started reading your devotion, and here's my devotional, if you started reading your devotional book, and for whatever reason you fell off, that's okay. Today's day seven, tomorrow's day eight, pick right back up, start, don't just try to catch up, just start right back on day eight so that we're walking in unity, and let today be a reset for this next week be taking your faith uh, goals card. You can get those on the way out or you can download it. You'll see it on the screen. You take that faith goals card and what God is revealing, what God is saying, the revelation that God gives to you for breakthrough in these different areas in your life, just write it down because I know one word, one revelation can change everything in your life. And so I want to encourage you, just keep praying keep fasting. Let it be something that's pressing you into his presence because as you do, I mean, our prayer and fasting is unlocking the heavenlies and supernatural access is released into your own life. I want to thank you. Those that have been coming out every night, uh, we've been having upwards to a hundred that have been coming and praying. It helps me. I made it to several nights this week uh, as I'm fasting and you've got different types of fast. You have the full fast. The full fast is where you uh, don't eat any foods. Uh, typically, you're just drinking water or juice. You're, uh, you're fasting for a 24-hour period of time. You have the partial fast. The partial fast is where you skip a meal or two, maybe sunrise to sunset, and you fast one or two meals, and you're focusing in on that time. Or there's the Daniel fast. Now, if you've not fasted a lot, the Daniel fast or the partial fast is a great place to start. If you're a seasoned believer, you're used to uh, these seasons of prayer and fasting, then let me encourage you, don't be afraid to do at least one day this week of a full fast. You may want to go to two days of a full fast. Don't be afraid of that. Unless you have a medical condition that limits you, everybody can do a full fast. You can do it. Now, your medical condition is not just because you're hungry. That's not a medical condition. You will be hungry, but you're saying to your body, no to food, because you're saying yes to the Spirit. Say yes with me. Say it louder, yes. 
We're saying yes to the Spirit. So today's a reset. This is a new week. Decide today what you're going to do. We're going to go to the book of Daniel. Take your Bible. I'm not going to preach as long because of our time. And man, what a powerful time we had just praying and seeking in the altar. So I'm going to give you a shortened version. I don't want to skip it because it's a powerful word. We could have kept that worship going a little bit longer and seeking in the altar. But I don't want you to miss the word that needs to be released. But I'm going to do a shortened version today. Father, thank you for your word, the message, the Bible, the word of God. I pray that you'll speak to our hearts, bring revelation, illumination, guide us, direct us, convict us, challenge us, use your word to grow us. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Let me give you a little backdrop of our passage, the book of Daniel. In fact, I'm going to tell you more about what happened in Daniel than I'm going to read because I really want you to get this message today. The backdrop, the backdrop of Daniel is that Jerusalem has been invaded by King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar takes the best and the brightest of the Israelite young people to Babylon. It's not just Daniel and his three friends, but they take a remnant of the best and the brightest young people. Like our section in our auditorium of all of our young people, if we would be invaded by some nation like Babylon, they would have taken the best and the brightest with them to Babylon. Now, there was a plan in what they were doing. First of all, when they would take them to Babylon, they would separate them, not only from their families, but they would separate them from each other, and they would spread them out over Babylon so that they could not ally together and rally together. Now, the Babylonians, King Nebuchadnezzar had a plan, and the plan was to brainwash the Israelite young people to assimilate them into the Babylonian culture by spreading them all around. Because he had one goal, the Babylonian plan was first of all to change. King Nebuchadnezzar's plan was to change the thinking of the, uh, of the Israelites, their perspective, their worldview, uh, what they built their faith on, their beliefs on. His goal was to change their thinking. And by the way, King Nebuchadnezzar is a typology in scripture of the enemy. When you think about uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, when you look at Babylon, all through scripture, it's a typology of the enemy of your soul. So when you think about what the Babylonian plan was to change the thinking of the Israelites, can I tell you that that is still the enemy's plan today? The enemy is still trying to change the thinking of our young people. He is still trying to separate them from the family so that he can brainwash them and get our young people not to believe in what maybe we as their parents have been brought up in and the principles that we believe in, but to change their thinking from their upbringing to the belief in the practice of what was in the world and is still in the world today. Today. So the Babylonian plan, the, 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 the plan of King Nebuchadnezzar was not only to change their thinking, but secondly, to change their worship. Their worship is the loyalties of their heart. Who 
would they worship? Would they worship the one true God that they had been raised to worship? Or would they begin to worship the Babylonian gods and, and, and even King Nebuchadnezzar himself? And can I tell you, the battle is always a battle for the heart. Who is going to sit on the throne of our heart? And so King Nebuchadnezzar was changing their worship, trying to get their allegiance and their loyalties. And then thirdly, the plan, a plan of King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians was not only to change their thinking or their worship, but to change their lifestyle, that they would begin to desire the things of the world, the things of Babylon, that that which they were raised with and that which maybe they would abstain from because of their faith or because God says, this does not honor me. King Nebuchadnezzar was trying to change their lifestyle. Now, do you recognize that we have the spirit of King Nebuchadnezzar still in the world today? That King Nebuchadnezzar is still fighting for the hearts, for the worship, and for the thinking of our young people and every one of us. What would happen is they would put them then into a three-year, we could call it, royal graduate school. They were being trained to be officers in the military of the Babylonian. In that three-year training, they would be learning the language. They would be learning the Babylonian culture. And they would begin to learn the Babylonian practices. Now, you've got to know that Babylon, at this time, was a evil pagan society. King Nebuchadnezzar was a very wicked king. He was deep into occultism. He was deep into demonic influences. You see it all through the book of Daniel. In fact, if there was a state religion, if there was a state religion for Babylon, it would be satanic. That would have been the state religion. There was one core curriculum what would they be studying? And that would be astrology and occult practices. So here is the backdrop, and this was the Babylonians' plan. And it's, the, it's still the plans of the enemy today. The enemy, just like King Nebuchadnezzar, was trying to uh, seduce Daniel's soul. Remember, your soul is your mind, your will, your what you desire to do and your your mind, your will, and your emotions, what you feel, what you think, what makes you feel a certain way. And that is still the plan of the enemy today. Look here in Daniel chapter one. Let me just back up what I shared with you with scripture. Daniel one verse four, he said, King Nebuchadnezzar, Make them, make sure they, that's the Israelite young people, the best and the brightest, make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning. Make sure that they're educated, that they are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and they're suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the languages I want you to notice here that they were training the young men. If the enemy can capture the heart of the men, then the reality is he captures the heart of the family and it becomes much more difficult for the family to walk with the Lord. Not impossible, but much more difficult. So train these young men 
in the language and the literature of Babylon. The king assigned to them a daily ration of food, of wine, from his own kitchens. Remember, he's changing their lifestyle. He's changing their diet. He's changing what they like and what they dislike. And they were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. So let me again remind you that King Nebuchadnezzar is a typology of the enemy of your soul. The spirit of King Nebuchadnezzar is linked to the spirit of the Antichrist. And we see the spirit of the Antichrist beginning to rise up even more and more in the last number of years. Over the next couple months, we're going to be teaching you what is that spirit of the Antichrist? What are the signs of the time so that we can recognize that Antichrist spirit and ultimately the Antichrist himself so that we can stand guard and we can fight for the truth and know what is right. So be looking forward to that. In verse 8, the scripture goes on to say that Daniel, chapter 1, was determined not to defile himself. He was determined that he will not pollute his life, contaminate his life, or, 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 or allow any corruption within his life. He would not allow the affections of that pagan culture to begin to infiltrate into him. And he stood his ground. Which brings me to the first thought that I give to you today. Two points to the message today. And that is if you're going to embrace breakthrough. If you're going to see breakthrough in your life, it requires, I believe, two primary things. And the first comes from the theme of Daniel's life. Daniel's theme of his life and the theme all through the book of Daniel is that Daniel was loyal to God. Say loyal to God. He was loyal. What does that mean is he drew a line in the sand and he was determined that he would not compromise the commitments and the, and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and not uh, uh, rationalize is the word I was searching in my mind. He would not compromise or rationalize his commitment to the Lord. And when you look at the life of Daniel, you see one that walked in obedience to the Lord. And this is what I can tell you, church, today. If you're going to embrace breakthrough, you're going to see breakthrough. It's not just something passively that's going to happen, but there is something that we're striving for and something that we've got to do. It will start with your loyalty to the Lord. Daniel shows us how that we can live faithfully, faithfully before the Lord in spite of the persecution and opposition that may be around us. Can I just get an agreement in the house today? He shows us that you can stand and not compromise, that even though there might be a price and that price might be your life, that you can still be loyal to God and stand with God and God will protect you. Can someone just agree with me and receive it in the spirit? That you would stand against the false loyalties and the idolatries of the world as Daniel did against Babylon. We see here that he was determined that there was an allegiance, a loyalty to God. 
and that he was going to walk faithfully no matter what dangers were going to confront him, that he was going to be faithful. What he determined in his heart is I refuse, say that with me, I refuse. Come on, can you say it a little louder? I refuse. Daniel refused to compromise and Daniel refused to conform. No matter the cost, in spite of what might be before him, even though there might have been fear in his heart, he determined in his own heart that he would not compromise and he would not conform. You know what I love about 21 days is it's just a realignment. It's a reminder for me that I'm not compromising, that I'm not conforming, that my allegiance and my loyalty is with God, and I'm coming back into alignment with him where I've strayed, where I'm way, I'm preaching way too good for this quiet audience. I'm just telling you right now, if you stay quieter, this message is going to get even shorter because I'm... I'm two services in on a fasting stomach. There's not much energy right now. But man, there is something that happens in 21 days that builds a sense of, of, of alignment and allegiance and loyalty that says, God, I refuse to conform. I refuse, Lord. I refuse to compromise. And that, God, I'm going to live in intimate relationship with you. Now, we call that abiding in Christ. Say that with me. Abiding in Christ. When you live in allegiance to the Lord, loyalty to him, and when you determine I'm not compromising and I'm not conforming, and when that is something that rises within you, you begin to realize that you're abiding in a relationship with an almighty God. Jesus talks about that in John chapter 15. Let me read it to you. John 15, verse 1. Click over there in your Bibles. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. You see, God is interested in the fruit of our life. There's inward fruit, and there's external fruit, and God is interested in both. When Jesus was walking out of the city of Jerusalem and he saw a fig tree that was not bearing fruit, he cursed that tree. There are many believers that are faithful, but they're not fruitful, and they think they're in the right place with the Lord. But Jesus says he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he's going to even prune it so that you'll bear even more fruit. Sometimes what you're walking through, sometimes the trials that you're facing, sometimes the tests that come your way is what God's doing to prune you, to bring you into a greater breakthrough and to a greater blessing of favor from him. And therefore, don't begrudge what God is doing. And if you're a mature believer, recognize that it just might be some fruit bearing to get rid of a few things so that you can get position for what God wants to release into you. You have already been clean. You've already repented, he says. You're my followers. You already have my word. You've already confessed your sin. And he says, therefore, verse four, remain in me. 
And if you remain in me, I will be, I will remain in you. That word remain means abide in me. If you abide in me, I will abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, or it, uh, it must remain in the vine. So if you're not abiding in Christ, you, he's going to say, cannot bear fruit. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide, remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man abides or remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not bear, if anyone does not uh, uh, remain in me, abide in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and it withers. Its branches are picked up and, and, and it's thrown into the fire and it is burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Disciples are Christ followers. Disciples have made a decision that they're going to be loyal to the Lord, conformed by the Lord. They're not going to compromise. They're going to remain in him, abide in him. And if you do, he says, as the Father has loved me, verse 9, so I will love you. So now remain or abide in my love. If you obey my commands, you will abide in my love. If you abide in my love, you will obey my commands. If you obey my commands, you will abide in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands, and I abide in his love. I have told you this so that your joy may be, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Can I just get an agreement in the heart today? Abiding is learning to receive supernatural revelation. It's, it's learning to receive from the Lord. Just a few years ago, the Assemblies of God that we're a part of did a study with Barna organization. They called it the Bible Engagement Plan. And they begin the study, what are the impact of those who study the Word of God or do their devotions or uh, have their quiet times or they abide in the Word? Now, Bible engagement could be coming to a service like this today. Bible engagement could be having your devotions. It could be in a life group where you're studying scriptures, but you're engaging with the Bible in a meaningful way. What they discovered, they surveyed thousands of individuals, and these thousands of individuals from the general population, from the age of eight to 80, so it was a wide spectrum, they found that there was a drastic difference for those that abided or had Bible engagement with the Word of God more than four times a week. What they found, if you're reading Scripture or engaging with the Bible just one time a week, that could be going to church or, uh, or, or listening to something on the radio, but just one time a week, you're engaging with the Bible, they found that it had no key uh, impact 
on other areas of your life. Meaning that if you're not engaging God's word on a regular basis, more than one time a week, just coming to service one time a week, they found that it had very little impact on the life of a believer. Now that doesn't surprise us as pastors because we see the statistics. We see the statistics that the divorce rate is as high in the church as it is to those outside of the church. It doesn't surprise us as pastors because we see that men and now women as well are caught up in pornography as much as those that are outside the church. And yet we go to church. We're in church every Sunday. But what they found in this study is if that we're, if we're only engaging the Bible one time a week, it has no impact on your life. Now that's, for me as a pastor that looks forward to seeing you every Sunday, quite humbling. That my sermon alone will not change your life. And nowadays, people aren't even coming once a week. They're coming every few weeks or every three times um, uh, every third week. And he's saying in this survey, the results is that if you engage once a week, has no impact. Reading scripture two times a week, same effect. No effect on the key areas of your life or just negligible, small impact. They also found if you're engaging the Bible three times a week, there was a very minor effect on key areas of your life. Where they found the greatest difference is those that were engaging the Bible four or more times a week. In this survey, you're going to see it on the back screen. On the survey, they found that if you're engaging Scripture four or more times, the results were much more tremendous. People that were feeling lonely, loneliness dropped 30% for those that engage the Bible four or more times. They're not as anxious. They're not as depressed. They're not on as much medication. And they have much more optimism and faith for the future. It found that if you're not engaging the word of God four or more times a week, then, then you had a tendency to show more anger. Those that engaged it four or more times a week, anger dropped 32%. So if you're struggling with anger, the reality is you're not engaging God's word enough in your life. If they engaged four or more times, bitterness in relationships like marriage, their children with parents or employees, if you engage the word four or more times, bitterness in relationships dropped 40%. You want a better work environment? You want things to be better in your home, with your children, in your family? The survey shows us that we've got to engage the word of God more. This one is tremendous. Alcoholism dropped 57%. If you engage the word of God more, that drinking habit, that drug habit, I'm telling you, is going to dry up. It's just going to dry up. I've never had anybody come to me in 31 years of full-time ministry and say, alcohol changed my life, pastor. 
I've never had anybody say to that. But I'm telling you, I've heard countless numbers of people that have said, God has changed my life. Jesus has changed my life. The word of God has changed my life. Alcoholism drops. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. It may not be the pastor's fault that you're spiritually stagnant. It may not be the church's fault. It may not be the music selection or the things that are happening in the program of the church. It may simply be you're not engaging the word of God enough. You're feeding yourself once a week or twice a week or once every couple weeks. And I'm telling you, you're going to get spiritually stagnant. Viewing pornography dropped 61%. Now, this is huge because, again, I said that statistics tell us that men, but also women now, it's increasing, are viewing pornography if they're in the church as much as those that are outside the church. And it's not just a young person's problem anymore. But if we're engaging the word of God, it drops 60%. Now, I understand that because it's quite hard to view pornography and then act off of that pornography when the Word of God is sitting right next to you and you just got done reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, the epistles. I mean, there's just something in you that says, yeah, I'm not clicking nothing. I'm not doing it. I'm a light in my And I know you're awful quiet because I'm hitting a lot of us with the truth. But the reality is, is if we're engaging the Word of God, pornography will drop. It's not just going to another class. It's not just getting another therapist. Let me tell you the greatest therapist you can have, and there's nothing wrong with therapists, but the greatest therapist that you could ever have in your life is the Lord Jesus Christ. Start in the word, pick up the word, and see what God begins to do. You might need a therapist, but I'm telling you, the more we're in the word, the more God is going to change our life. And for some of you, your therapist is your friends, it's your parents, it's somebody at work, In fact, for some of you, your counselor isn't even a believer. Those that are giving you wisdom don't even believe in the word of God. And you think they're going to help you? The answer is no, 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 they're not. Sharing your faith increases 200%. Discipling others increase 230%. So the challenge for us today, before I go to point two, the challenge is to make a covenant, a commitment today, this week, in this season of prayer, that God, I'm going to engage your word. We teach a simple method called the SOAP method of doing Bible devotions, of doing your quiet time and and engaging the word. Let me just tell you, it's very easy and it'll help you as you engage the word. The S of SOAP is scripture, that you're reading scripture, you're getting into the word. It might be a Bible reading plan, you version, or another version uh, on the internet that gives you a plan to read through the New Testament in so many days, or to read through the whole Bible in and, and, and the year, whatever it may be. But you're reading scripture, you're getting revelation from God's word. As you're reading the scripture, you're making observation. Observation is meditating on the word of God. As you're reading the biblical truth, you're beginning to meditate on it. It is saturating your mind. Just don't read, but stop and meditate on that verse. Stop and and, and begin to allow it to impact you and soak into you in observation. Like I shared with you with Daniel 
you're looking at things like who is in the story? Who are the characters? What is it describing? What is it saying about God, about Christ, about the Holy Spirit? What's happening? The Israelites had been captured by the Babylonians. They were taken to Babylon, and the Babylonians were trying to brainwash them, and they were training them in their literature, in their culture. You're beginning to understand. You're asking these questions like, who is in the story? What is happening? Where are these events taking place? When did it happen? Why did it happen? Where and how did us all happen? That's what Joshua calls meditating on the book of the law, the word of God day and night. Out of that flows application, and application is taking the biblical word of old, the truths of the word of God, and beginning to say, how does it apply to my life today? What does it mean to me? What are you trying to say? And I'm listening to the voice of the Spirit. Are there changes in me, Lord, that you want me to make? Are there attitudes that need to be changed? Are there habits that need to be changed? Is there sin that needs to be repented of and broken in my life? Are there relational issues that, that, that need to be restored? How does it apply to me? And then lastly, you begin to pray. You just begin to take that devotion, that time of application, and you begin to meditate. It may be 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes, but you're engaging with God's word. Because of time, let me jump to the second point. And the second point is that if you're going to embrace breakthrough, then you've got to see in the life of Daniel a key. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.